fresh new episode of Too Big to Bail. I am Colton J. Bazinus. I'm here as always with my good pal Eric Dominguez. And can you smell it guys? Can you smell it? Love, Love is in the air. Is in the air. It's here. Love is in the air. I hope you guys enjoy the beautiful accordion soft soundtrack that you're hearing right now. And that will be the background music for us going forward this month. I oh, hope yeah. You enjoy I hope it. you it's like beautiful. that. Royalty free, of course. Royalty free and ready to to get you in the mood for love, baby. We're going to bring you it Do there hard. are people out there who do actually get kind of uh, in the mood by hearing accordion music? Oh yeah, French people all the time. French people love that that shit. They they like, oh fuck yes, we 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 French donuts. Eh, instrument of love. Well, speaking of love, we had two love-filled viewings this week, and and boy howdy, did did they get me in the mood for love? Uh. Um, God, I watched. I had to watch. Uh, Never been kissed, a movie from nineteen hundred and ninety nine. It's uh, and I had uh, to watch Monster in Law, which was from two thousand five. Two thousand five, which was a whole lot of monster, whole lot of monster, whole lot of in law. Uh, so. We'll start with mine, I guess, because I didn't finish my movie. Sure, sure. Well, well uh, what do you, where, where, where do you fall on these kinds of like? I guess these were both romantic comedies. Where do you, what are your feelings on these, this genre? I feel it's very hard for me. I don't know. I feel like Why it's is like that? it's it's very hard for them to 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 appeal to me because most of them are very cheesy, very generic. Right. It's, there's like a, the the Palm Springs. I would say is a romantic comedy that I could say was I actually I enjoyed, enjoyed that. that. Film. I enjoyed that. It was a cute. Little and you story. know what? There are, there are definitely ones that I enjoy as well. Like I, for all the problems that I think it might have, I enjoy like Crazy Stupid Love. Um, uh, I'm 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 of a mind that I'm I'm probably willing to be swept up in this these kinds of movies. Uh, but I hate when they just feel so like algorithmically slapped together and it's just yeah. like, but it just, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's like easy to make one of these or anything, but it's probably, it's probably pretty easy to mess one up. Yeah. It's just a uh, very formulaic feels made in a laboratory. Right, and there was a time where so many of these movies were coming out like in in succession that I don't know. It's just like they've they've always been advertised the exact same way. They've always like had the exact same feeling to them, and it's uh it's tough sometimes to to. Uh, I don't often find myself in a mood to to to, to give these things a, sh- a shot. 
But that's the grand experiment we're undertaking this month. We're giving these things a shot. We're seeing seeing if we can find some positives in 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 something that we generally feel kind of negative about. So uh ain't that the truth, yeah, brother? That's the truth. And uh, let's let's see how you did. So I had to watch Monster. Tell me about Monster in Law, which stars Jane Fonda and Jennifer Lopez. And uh, it stars one. What's the man's name? We remember the man's name. The man actor. Uh, his name is uh Michael Vartan. Just remember I that think. name, folks, because you might hear a little later. So, Monster-in-Law is about um, Jennifer Lopez is marrying Jane Fonda's son, and she, Jennifer Lopez's character is not poor and is not rich and falls in the middle she's middle class but she definitely works hard to maintain that yeah and she has like three jobs or whatever and she meets this guy she's also an artist like a designer right yeah she meets uh, is that what she she does i saw her sketching she's a designer and then she has like a bunch of odd jobs it's like a fashion fashion designer is her passion right yeah. Fashion's her passion. And Jane Fonda's character is a... What's her name? Who cares? She plays like... A, the character? Yeah, the character's name. Because she has a show that's like an Oprah I didn't catch like, it. I was just going to call her Jane. Yeah, Jane has a show. And it's like an Oprah it's like a Yeah, show. she's got like an, <clears throat> an Oprah-adjacent kind of program. And she's like been on the air for like 20 plus, maybe 30 plus years. As uh, and she has a one son, and she marries, and he's gonna marry Jennifer Lopez. But after only knowing her for like less than a month, while no, it's been like a couple of months, hasn't it? Uh, we'll say three months. I would say like three. Months. I think it said three months. Yeah, yeah I think it cut months. to. I think there's a, a cut. Three months, and Jane Fonda is also going through a mental breakdown. She has a freak out on on her uh, TV show because she. Before she goes live on the air, they tell her that she's being replaced, and she just is also an alcoholic and a drug addict. And um, yeah, why they why did they tell her that? I don't know. The, the way they told her seemed and, you, and like they would know if she had like a problem like that. You know, they knew. Right. What? How did you feel about her? Her kind of like her her general problem with other women. She felt that other women were a threat to her, except Wanda Sykes, because she was hired by her. <laughs> right, because well, she employs Wanda Sykes, and it's, it seems like maybe she might be her only friend. If that, um, she's an employee, not a if friend. If that, well, in, I think in Jane Fonda's eyes, she, she yeah, might she be a friend, a friend, but I don't think Wanda Sykes views herself as Jane Fonda's friend. Yeah, she, like, it's, it's, um, it's weird, because she just... She she thinks young women are a threat to her. She yeah. She specifically seems young. to have a problem with the the next generation of women. Yeah, like they're not fancy enough and they don't eat the right caviar. <laughs> I think it's 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 the um, she she seems to criticize a lot of their a lot of their education, and and then she does kind of she does kind of make faces at some of the uh, less things that that uh jennifer lopez does but 
that I don't know what I I couldn't get a full read on her. I mean, maybe by the nice, end of the movie they nice, address that. Is a nice girl, you know. She doesn't do any. She hasn't. She's like she plays off the whole like first half of the, like I would say first thirty minutes of the movie we watched, right? Yeah, she's she's nice. She's not like a ditch. She, she like up, works like, yeah, she just, hard at yeah, works, several jobs. Yeah. And uh she's also she's also really nice to Jane Fonda when they first meet. And Yeah, she's And Jane Fonda seemed like she was fine with her until her son asked her to marry her. I mean marry him. And uh Yeah, I don't know just, why like, that spoke so why did that why do you think that so specifically set her off? Because I think her son is like the last thing she has. But she doesn't have him. He lives. He doesn't like live with her. He yeah. lives in, I think, a different part of the state from her. Uh, I don't. Colton, Colton, we didn't finish. I know. <laughs> we didn't finish it, but I didn't get yeah. the. I didn't get the feeling that she and her son were especially close. No. Especially because he was like yeah. going through they, the list of like of all stuff. of her kind of yeah, failed they, marriages. Yeah, they said a lot of stuff, and he's from the first really, one. Yeah. But they, it's like they said, oh, you know, my mom is the most important woman in my life. And, you know, it's really important for me to, like, for you to get along with her. But they don't. Right. Really yeah, right. We just got to fucking take his word yeah, for it. Yeah, we just got to take his word for it. <laughs> because we didn't see him taking her to rehab. We didn't see him picking her up from rehab or, like, getting sending a letter to her or anything. Like, he basically, yeah, honestly, this dude sucks. Yeah. This dude like springs this this new person on her like a day after she gets like out of rehab, and I don't know yeah. this 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 dude fucking stinks. He's a doctor. <laughs> he is a doctor. He's a surgeon. <laughs> um, but then like Jane Fonda has this weird vision where she's just beating uh, Jennifer Lopez oh, yeah. on the table or something, and she flashes she has, back. Like, she has like legitimate like. Hulk level anger problems. Yeah. And like she's doing drugs. And then like there's one scene where she's just like screaming at the top of her lungs while Wanda Sykes is on the phone. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I've seen this before. I don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah. The fantasy where she's like just grabs Jennifer Lopez by the back of the head and just slams her face into the table. Um, It was kind of like, you ever seen like nine to five? She She's also in that, I guess. Working, but it, yeah, but each one of the like the women in in that movie get to have like a fantasy sequence where they like kind of take revenge on their boss, and it kind of like felt like that, but it was just like it felt like they didn't have the attention span to kind of follow through on that or be like or justify it or make it make sense, because basically Jennifer Lopez is perfectly polite and and nice and and uh charming and uh jane fonda's kind of making cracks the whole time yeah i don't get it i don't i don't know it's, she's got some she she i don't think has worked out any of her issues was do you think she was the the character was drunk when she attacked the britney spears stand-in on her tv show that's what they i think they kind of wanted us to believe right because she goes to rehab, but it doesn't, like, like that doesn't really seem to, like, quell any of her deep-seated issues with women. No. She's just sober, and then she immediately throws that to the wind after <laughs> she gets free. Ugh, I don't know, man. It's not, it's a, it's a mess. 
It's was there anything you liked about this before you tapped no, out? No, I'm not a going forward. I'm not the biggest. I had a tough one. I couldn't really. What? I couldn't really pick anything out myself. Um, I'm doing something. I liked Wanda Sykes. I don't know, but it's kind of a thankless role that she takes. But she, I mean, she does a lot of those. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah. She's a Wanda Sykes. That's what she She's plays. a Wanda Sykes. Um, so what do you have to what you have to fill this this great gaping hole in your uh, life with after you pulled the plug on Monster in Law? Uh, we had to watch Real Rob, the one camera sitcom starring the one and only Rob Schneider, produced by Rob Schneider, directed by Rob Schneider, written by Rob Schneider. And his wife, and also all of those his roles. His wife, Patricia Maya Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> her name, say her name out loud. I was like, oh God, she's a Schneider. She's a Schneider. She's a Schneider. Ah, now, there well, she you said, She's a Schneider. Now, this show, it's, it's Rob Schneider's attempt to make a Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's very Yeah, obvious. that's kind of what it feels like. Um, but where whereas often in Curb Your Enthusiasm, the uh, the kind of gross idiosyncrasies of Larry David make him him, uh, just kind of adhere him to you and and make you kind of like him. Uh, You don't get that with Rob. (laughs) You definitely do not. Rob is like an asshole. He comes off as a total like where where Larry is like funny and witty and says uh insane things, but it also just comes across so much more uh, approachable and digestible. Yeah. And Rob's is just like, You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> like Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's like the the two the two behaviors are comparable but also completely different i don't know and i i i wish i had the words to capture I, why I, you know what i have an idea I, I can tell you why for all for i'm just gonna say this larry david compared to rob schneider is fucking cool rob schneider mm. is not cool you you cannot make rob schneider cool no you can't like he comes off like he was a nerd in high school and was bullied. <laughs> That's how his character comes across. I'm sure he wasn't. You know, I'm sure he was a fine. Um, well, I don't know. I'd have to watch his like, stand-up special, Asian Mom, uh, Mexican Kids. And also, it's you told me that this this whole show is filmed mostly by film students at Full Sail. Well, the the yeah the uh, below the line staff seems to be uh, pretty full up on Full Sail graduates, which. Is very cheap, but it's also very nice for him to do that. Yeah, I mean they look. I mean the show looked good. Yeah. I mean it, it looked. looked it I looked, mean, it looked, I mean it looked, it looked. It was not. It offensive. looked passable. It was, it was like it, was pa- it passed. It passed. It was the- for for like the sitcoms that we've watched, like from even from like the last two years, like it because it wasn't in that two camera format. I think it was. I don't know. It was well lit. Uh, the scenes dragged constantly (laughs) but that's not the film people's that's like the editor and i'm sure rob was in there being like no let it let it hang 
and uh, it's it, and it's. So why don't you tell us? It, so the, we why don't you tell us about the episode? We watched because we didn't watch the pilot. Yeah, we we, we specifically found one that we would have would keep in with our love theme. This is season two, episode seven, episode title: "Who Loves You," written by Rob Schneider and Patricia Maya Schneider. <laughs> All right, tell me about this episode. So, Eric. The episode starts off with Rob's. We we've never watched this show before, so we're just jumping in cold turkey. Uh, Rob is is. We were. Con- I mean, we were pretty confident that we would get it. Yeah, I mean, we did pretty much for the most part. I don't feel like I was missing any. Yeah, there wasn't any like anything. there wasn't any callbacks or anything. Yeah, it starts off with Rob and his wife having a some sort of conversation in the kitchen and it's mm, it, great note it's uh it's a conversation i mean it's just like terrible oh dialogue God. it's just terrible they're just like yeah we gotta do this we're going to mexico we gotta pack to go to mexico blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and rob's assistant who is one of my saving silvermans his name is jamie jamie lisso Yes, and I believe he is also a writer on the show. Is he? Yes, he's he, also he's, he's the he third writer. The he they all wrote this episode. He writes. Yeah, he's a stand-up comic as well. I found out it was in his IMDb trivia was is comedian, and he, so and they're going to Mexico City because his wife has a bunch of press because she's wrapping her. Mexican TV show soap opera. It's a, she's on a soap opera. Yeah, she's like a lead on a soap opera on a new soap opera. Yeah, and Rob and Rob is going to support his wife, but also he suspects that she is, and she is uh she could cheat on on him with her co-star Rico, who's attractive young Mexican male, and they have right. great chemistry and stuff. Right. And Jamie, and then this is where like one of the worst show, like worst bits in the whole right. show. Right, Jamie's going camping. Jamie's going camping. He asked Rob if he could borrow this little lamp, this little lamp, and Rob is like, goes off on him and like turns into a right wing MAGA conspiracy theorist. He yeah, he just like chews him out and He's does like, like all kinds of Do you know what a CME stuff. is? Do you know what a CME is? That's when the radiation of the sun comes at you and it's a giant EMP and we're out without electricity. And what happens if that happens? I'm not gonna have my lamp. Right. The gist of it is that this is an emergency lamp, uh, that Rob is very concerned about not having in the case of a very specific emergency. Yeah. And it's, it, um, I can't t- stress this enough, everybody. It's a cheap little lamp. Yeah, it's like a wind up. Yeah. Lamp. And it's, it's, and his wife, his, Rob's wife comes in, grabs the lamp, and gives it to Jamie and says, You can take it. He's like, Okay. I, the, the thing that really got to me was that Rob seems like he is constantly trying to make everyone around him feel like shit. Yeah. He's like, you should be worshiping me. And like, uh, luckily, he is surrounded by some of the most positive people I've ever seen. But whoa, Jesus, there is not a good feeling and energy coming off of this man. He is not doing. He's not following the too big to bail, um, you know, code of trying to be positive. No, he's not. He's actually like 
the blackness, the darkness that's inside all of us. Yeah, he represents <laughs> the negativity that we are fighting. Every episode. Or we are trying to fight. And constantly losing to. Yeah. We constantly are losing to a big, dark cloud named Rob. Yeah. And uh, Colton, and then it, it, we cut to Real Rob's intro sequence. And it's oh, it's right. just pictures of L. It's like stock footage of L.A., Sped up footage, Sped up of, footage LA. of LA with this weird 20s. Oh, yeah. Like, it's similar. It's similar to the to, uh, um, disjointed. Chuck Lorre. Very similar to disjointed. disjointed. But it's sped up and more electronic. Yeah, it's more like, electronic. Uh, yeah, that's a good comp for it. It's like the kind of stuff that was like just playing in the background of the Great Gatsby movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to see. Uh, we, we see. Jamie and uh, what's what's her name? Patricia, the wife. Yeah, Patricia. They're outside in the yard. Oh, oh. wait. What? What's the girlfriend's name? What's what's Jamie's girlfriend's name? Because he's taking his girlfriend camping, right? Yeah, is her. I think her name is Miranda. Oh right, she's and she's <gasps> Hillary Wait. Duff's older sister. Haley Duff. I'm sorry, her name is Allison. Allison, played okay. by Haley Duff. Sorry, continue, continue. And they're in the yard, and she's like, "Jamie, you know you're going camping. You're gonna need some protection." And she brings out a gun, a handgun. <laughs> that you abandoned the voice midway through that sentence. She's like, "Jamie, Jamie, <laughs> I hate this. I got you a gun, so you can protect Stop. your girlfriend." And Stop. she gives him a she gives him a gun, and that was a, I would say that's a saving sermon because that's a fun bit, but it could have been funnier if Rob because uh, the next scene totally I don't know makes this I don't know, so he gives him the gun. He's like, you got to protect your girlfriend, dude. There's gonna be bears out there. She's gonna do want to call her face out with a gun, and she's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. He's like, uh, Jamie's a little limp. He's a limp guy, you know. He's a wimp. He's a he's a total cuck. Sure, you said it, not me. Uh, you can quote me on that. Jamie's a cook. Next scene. Total beta cook. Next scene, Rob and Jamie are in a, his office. He's like, Jamie, I'm going to give you something because you're going on this camping trip to protect yourself. And you, you think, oh, right. he's going to give Rob, a- who had just given him such a hard time about giving him a lamp, is going to give him something cherished. He's, he gives him his old Swiss army knife. It's his Boy Scout Boy knife. Scout. He gives him this precious item, but he doesn't allow him to take home the lamp. Hmm. He does take the lamp eventually. He takes but... No, he takes the lamp. It's like, what the... F- and then we, we're in Mexico, and then we get... This is like 15 minutes, like, this show... This, this is this the first whole, five like, minutes. This is fucking... But it feels so long. It's a 30-minute show. And they fill it with these it's awful... A, it's like, a 37-minute show. And the... the uh, I checked several times. The, um... The, the fucking montage of New Mexico City with this weird pop 20s music. It's, I would it's terrible. And then we get then Rob's supporting his wife at the talk show. She comes out with Rico. He's, yeah, he's back. And then Rob throws the biggest temper chance I've ever seen. He starts throwing like all the craft services at this TV in the green room, like screaming. Right, Cause Rico is like very flirty with his wife on camera. Yeah, and he can't handle and he's it. very much like, but he's very touchy. I get, I can see why this would be annoying, but like freaking out the way that he does is just, 
it's i know it's supposed to be like elevated for comedy yeah. but like it's not it's like it just feels like something he would like actually like this like this person would actually be doing and then the people stuck in the room with him would just be like fucking wicked uncomfortable yeah they all leave immediately they don't even stay for it. he just throws one they're like all right let's get out of here yeah, well, once he starts, like, throwing solid objects at the television he's watching. Yeah. I mean, that's dangerous. I'm out. Debris. So. I will say this Rico guy, he is pretty handsy, but, like. it's He's, he's, also, he's also, like, from a different culture, you know? It's a whole different thing, you know? Maybe, I guess. But uh, there's still that thing of just, like, you know. what? But he's, like, he's, like, smelling her hair, like, on camera and stuff. Yeah, and it's like that was weird. I, at that point, like, if you need to, like, if you're freaking out that much, just like talk to this guy and be like, "Hey, like, you know, it's me, real Rob. I'm gonna be real with you because I'm Rob. I'm uncomfortable about the way you act around my wife." Yeah. So then we get to the rap party of the show. It's at a bowling alley. The whole cast <laughs> yeah, is gonna it's be a there. Bowling alley and like four people show up. Four people show up, and. They all line up. What song starts playing? What is this song? What is it? Hold on. It's the uh, the name of the episode. Oh, who loves you? There it is. And so uh, an extended montage to uh, I think a doubled version of this song yeah. because it goes on for about twice the length of the song. Yeah, and. Uh, they're all playing. They're all having a cast and having a great time playing bowling. bowling and touching, Rob is just a miser flirting. in the corner, like shaking his head, like fucking Rico. And he also sucks at bowling. Rob and looks like a refusing limp. to have fun. Yeah, he looks like yeah. A Rico limp. got him a child's ball. Yeah, because he's a small man. He gutters. He gutters the ball all the time. So the best part of this, this is a, definitely a saving Silverman. <laughs> This was a saving sermon for you. This, this is a saving sermon for me. Rob okay. cocks back his. He purposely he, he lines, lines up, up perfectly, backs up, and swings the bowling ball into Rico's knee, and you see him bend his knee. Yeah, he inverts his <laughs> knee, inverts his knee, and then fucking gets a strike. <laughs> and still, yeah, still bowls as if he doesn't realize what he's done. And this dude just broke his whole knee. The, he is a he is he is completely disabled. This man. Yeah, he, this guy's not gonna be able this to walk. Guy right going like to, this guy is going to. This guy is never gonna walk the right way ever no. again. So next scene, they're flying home. <laughs> his, his wife's wife a little miffed at him. She's like a little mad. She's not even. She's not like even pissed. <laughs> right. He's like, oh man, I'm in the doghouse. You disable the person. Like, there's no consequence for him other than his wife being, like, huffy a yeah. little bit. So then we, uh, we they're, they're a little mad and they're flying back. And then we see Jamie and his girlfriend, who's Haley Duff, Hillary Duff's older sister. They're on a camping trip. Uh, and they hear a noise and it turns out to be this bear. And Colton, when we were watching this, it's, they use a, a man in a bear outfit and then they use a CG bear. Yeah, there's like a CG shadow bear. Shadow bear. And Jamie's like freaking out. He doesn't know what to do. He his girlfriend's a vegan, so she doesn't want him to shoot the bear. And Right. I think the bear was attracted by a vegan donut that she made that tasted bad. Yeah. 
So it's a very funny bit that went on for a good couple minutes. So she tries to go out there and con- like tries to shoo the bear away, but fails and gets oh, it's bludgeoned by just a bear. bloodily bludgeoned by the bear. While Jamie goes out and he doesn't want to shoot her, he's in a conundrum because if he shoots the bear, she's going to be mad at him. If he doesn't, she's going to die. So he's in this huge kerfuffle. And then he uh, he event he um, finds some he uses vegan the ju- knife he uses the knife to open a bag of vegan jerky to distract the bear. The bear goes away, and his girlfriend is like missing part of her skull, but she's okay. She's conscious. Oh, yes. She can yeah, walk. We're- they're having a conversation. They're in love. They're in love. He they he he they confess. He confesses. This is the love. love. I think he proposes to her. He does propose to her, and she says yes. And then he grabs her head wound. He grabs her head wound, takes her to the hospital. Now there, Colton. There's. Did you know there's ten minutes left in this episode? <laughs> I did know because I was keeping a very close eye on it. <laughs> And so we go cut back to Rob and his wife. Right. Oh, this whole time that Jamie was telling Rob that a director wanted to meet with him. Yeah. And Rob was really cool about <laughs> about getting that information. Yeah. Rob, he, he gets the info. He he, uh, he shows up and this, it's this Mexican man who's pitching him a script. I recognize that guy. He's know. he's uh he's from that movie How to Be a Latin Lover or whatever. The what? How to be a Latin lover? Oh, is that him? That's him. Oh wow. He's the titular Latin lover. I think he might have also been in the remake of Overboard. Hmm. So um he he calls Rob Schneider over and he pitches him a movie. He's like the third guy he calls. And Rob takes the movie, and it's... It's a remake of, like, some cult yeah, classic... Mexican film or something. Uh, I think it's... I think it's an Asian film, actually. Yeah. Hey, this guy was in Sandy Wexler. This is how he got into real uh, Rob. He was a Sandy Wexler kid. He's a Sandy Wexler guy. So... Uh, Jamie... Tells his uh, tells Rob's wife that he's getting married and she's happy for him. And then the next scene, Rob comes home. He explains, "I got the movie job." And his wife's like, "Oh, okay, I'm happy again." And the next scene, they're in their bed. Is she? I thought she was mad for a second. Yeah, she was mad, but then he got the job. Then they're in their bed watching Rico walk on stage, and he has like the worst limp imaginable. Yeah. Like he can't bend his knee because he's broken. He's he's a broken man now. They're sitting in their bed and the power goes out, and she's like, "Oh, where's the lamp?" And then the last line of the episode, Rob Schneider sighs and yells, "Jamie, you motherfucker!" And then cut the credits. Yeah, this is one of those fun Netflix can can swear shows yeah. uh and it's utilized super well so what what are the what are your saving silvermans i'm gonna go with the gun joke okay jamie oh, right. he returns the gun and, or and she's like did you kill somebody with and it she's like no and he's like what no she's like because if he did it's fine i already have the serial number filed off it and we can just like you know pretend nothing happened um 
Which makes me think if there had been a third season of this um, show, it would have been about uh, this woman killing Rob Schneider. Yeah. Uh, and getting away getting with it away. by blaming Jamie. Yeah. Um, would have been a good twist. Then I would say Jamie was a, was a fine little... He was a fine... He did a fine job. Jamie, yeah, he kind of looks like Ed Helms. Yeah, yeah, we said he was a... Ed Hel- he is like Diet Ed Helms. <laughs> yeah, Ed Helms Light. Ed Helms Light. And he probably gets that a lot and probably hates it. And, and then I would say the scene where Rob breaks Rico's knee. Alright, well let me give you um, my high point and low point. Um, tough one this week. Uh, high point High point. <laughs> oh boy, I think uh, high point was watching Adam Scott in in Monster in Law. He's kind of he's doing point. another another thankless role, kind of. I think this was back in the uh, Party Down days too. So uh, that was fun to see him. Uh, low point, definitely uh, watching watching Rob invert that poor guy's knee. Uh, and then he has this little shit-eating grin on, and uh, I just I could I was so not into into his little shtick. Bad, bad man. He's a bad man. I don't even care if he 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 hears this and doesn't like it because fucking bad. You did a bad job, my friend. I didn't like it. Not good. Not good, not good. Speaking of bad jobs, let's talk about my movie, Never Been Kissed. Starring Drew Barrymore. Starring Drew Barrymore. Featuring David Arquette. With a musical guest, Michael Vartan. What? The same Michael Vartan from Monster-in-Law? Yes, in this ca- in this movie, he plays a much worse character. Um, but we'll get into that because I have at the end of this, I reached a conclusion um, that all of the adult characters from this film are sex criminals that do belong in jail. Fair enough. With with that, let me tell you what this movie's all about. Never Been Kissed is about a a lady named Josie Geller. She's an insecure 25-year-old copy editor. uh, Younger than me. Oof. Um, She works for the Chicago Sun-Times. She has never really had a real relationship. Uh, She had a bad time in high school. It seems like she had a better time in college, but we're only really kind of alluded to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, She dresses and acts like a... Uh, librarian uh, like uh, she's constantly correcting people's grammar um, and you know other kind of insufferable things that I think if anyone did I would just be like I would be instantly turned turned away from that person I I, I don't know do you, do you ever have people correct your grammar like to your face hmm <laughs> No. No. I feel like as a society, we've gotten to a place where it's just like, we're going to let it slide no matter what. Like, if I get the gist of what you're saying, like, 
fine. Like, it's, it sucks to have that happen to you. Uh, I, I say this as an actual mush-brained idiot, so it happens to me sometimes. Yeah. So one day, uh, Josie's editor-in-chief, uh, Rigfort, uh, played, of course, by Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. He has a, yes. walks around with a big cane that he, like, slaps on tables. Uh, so he assigns her, he, so... The the reasoning for this assignment goes through so quickly that I really had trouble grasping it. So the stories he has been publishing in the paper lately have all been based off of things from his life. Like all of the hit all the, the stories he considers hits have been from times in his life. And so he he think he reflects so fondly on his senior year of high school that he's going to send uh, one of his reporters back to high school undercover as a student to see what's going on there. It, the, this list, this summary I'm looking at has it listed as to help parents become more aware of their children's lives. And that Bullshit. was not clear to me Bullshit. in any way. Bullshit. Uh, yeah, they're just like, we're sending you back to high school. Find the story. Um, so there wasn't like anything specific being looked for. Uh, so she kind of does like a, she does a little makeover on herself. Um, you know, she's, she borrows her brother's car. She's, she's gonna, she, she's kind of trying to get up on the fashion of the day. Um, doesn't work. She doesn't consult any actual teenagers. Um, I think it's, I think. Uh, Molly Shannon is who does her, her, her fashion for her, uh, and so I, that brings me to a, a a actual saving Silverman for me, which is the the one two punch of John C. Riley and Molly Shannon, uh, both being young and pretty hot, um, and just kind of kind of killing the game as side characters. Uh, John C. Riley plays Gus, who is the uh, the editor above uh, Josie, and uh, Molly Shannon is also works there. I don't know what her job is; it's not clear. Uh, she she kind of is the the flirt that gets around the office, and John C. Riley is the curmudgeon who can never get a relationship because he loves work and understands that. Uh, Spoiler alert, they end up together, rightly so, uh, and it's super good. My favorite kiss of the movie is between John C. Riley and Molly Shannon, and I'd like to watch a movie uh, about them yeah, next time. So, um, so, John C. Riley doesn't really think that Josie is up to the the kind of task because she's so bookish and as OCD and is a word nerd. Um, she also is pretty childlike. She's got this kind of, I don't know. She has like, is, I, I, she's lived, like, she has a very sheltered life. That's what it felt like. She has, well, the thing is she had a really hard time in high school. And I think, I guess the assumption is because of that, she sheltered herself really hardcore. And, 
and this is kind of the result. She like um, doesn't even have cats. She has turtles, and she's like sewing on a Saturday night. She doesn't. Uh, so there's a point where she's talking to the girls at work about the fact that she's never been kissed, and her speech is ridiculous. Just awful. She like starts talking like this is the fucking fantasy bullshit where it's like I just waste I just, I want the feeling when you kiss somebody I want to know that it's the first kiss that I get is with the person I want to be kissing forever and that's fucking so unreal like and nobody steps in is like that come on yeah. like that's not like realistic like you're setting yourself up for the most d- disappointing life. And, uh, so it was pretty hard for me to get on board with her. I, I wanted to, though, because I love Dream Barrymore. I think she's charming. Um, but she's really putting that to the test in this one. Um, she can make herself cry by giving speeches like that, thinking about love and, like, how she, how she expects it to be. She is not well. Um, yeah... Oh, you, there was this scene where she was wearing, like, when we first, where we see her in her house where she's wearing this, like, purple sweater dress. And I oh, thought yeah. it, it, it was a cool design. Like, I think, like, they could have made that look like a cool thing. But the fact that she's, like, wearing it as, like, uh, I don't know, as, like, a nightwear kind of makes it weird. Also, she seems to wear scrubs to bed. Yeah, why not? I guess. Um, I'm, I'm gonna try that, you know. I'm gonna give her the better. Oh, did out. you see? Um, when she has that meeting with Gary Marshall and the other people, there's that guy sitting at the table who just kind of looks like the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Who just like has the the, the waxed up mustache mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the bald head, and they don't ever really do they much? they never mm-hmm. like like they focus on him to a point. I'm like, oh, he's gonna have a bit. But if they did, they cut it because maybe, you know, maybe it was racist. Maybe it was like a racist <laughs> bit they were going to do. And they're like, we can't have that. There's already so many problems we with this movie. We can't do another racist character in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Gary Marshall just like says something super racist, racist to this guy. Maybe. I don't know. I wish he had gotten some more screen time. Um. So... This movie is about hunky teens. Um, she goes to high school and is pretty immediately attracted. Well, first of all, she shows up looking like a mess. She's like, she looks like she's bleached her skin. Her 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 lips are pale. Her oh, yeah, eyebrows like are blonde. On. Terrible. She's wearing all white. She's wearing a white shirt with a white feather boa and white jeans. She's like, this is cool. <laughs> She, she she looks pretty wild. Um, she also does look older than most of the people there, which is not like a knock on the age or anything, but like ha, to sell this premise, it doesn't like Hollywood kids in in high schools are all played by like twenty year olds anyways. But these look like teens, and she did not look like a teen. But nobody questions it. Everyone, there's at no point in the movie where anyone is like, "Are you?" you? Well, there is one point where the teacher is like, "Are you sure you're 16 or 17?" Yeah. Sorry, she's like, "I'm just She's a playing a 17 year old, 17 year old high school student." Yeah, she like quotes like like four paragraphs of Shakespeare and like 
prose and like breaks it down he's like are you sure like are you sure uh and that guy he's like the cool hunky teacher who she's uh, immediately like boing into uh and that guy is of course um michael vartan's character who is named sam sam colson sam um so we meet him she's into him uh, but she also appears to be into a hot hunky teen named Guy Perkins, who is just kind of a popular fella. Uh, he looks he looks a lot like Dane DeHaan to me. He does, but he also um, has this weird, like, sickly boyish look to him. Girls love that, though. Yeah. Girls love sick boys. Mm-hmm. They just want to take care of them, make them, give them some soup. I th- I think that's I think that's noble. Um. So, oh, so basically, when she kind of strikes out trying to get in with the popular kids, she immediately reverts back to her geek persona. Yeah, that kind of ruined her first high school career. Career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah because she kind of gives up on being popular after she runs into the three most popular girls uh kirsten gibby and Kristen. Ugh. so names. they uh one of them is jessica alba i couldn't tell you which one um the other two are not jessica alba <laughs> uh she also meets like a, a really nice nerd girl named oh god she has like a weird name al aldis 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 uh, i i i, I i'm bummed because i zoned out for the explanation of her name um but she hates guy and his whole gang of cronies yeah Brrr. the bullies there's something bullies. there that like they don't get into but like i think they have like a history it feels like they have a history. Like they knew each other of, since elementary school or something, and yeah, like they were they were like the, kid friends. Yeah, and he just got cool and yeah. left her behind. Got cool and hot and, and left her left her to be a nerd, and what a nerd she is. The group that she hangs out with, uh, they are called the Denominators. It's like a mathletes kind of thing. Which just I don't um, understand how that works. It's basically competitive math, man. Sounds crazy. But this one guy that's hanging out with all these is like, like in passing, Josie's like, how old am I? And he like stands up and is like, you're, you're, you're 600 and... Forty-two months older, give or take. What? It's like, what the fuck? Get out of here! Nobody does that. That's the kind of person that doesn't exist in real life. It drives me nuts when I see like extreme, extremely weird shit that made it to the final cut. Yeah. Um. So he's a nerd that doesn't get to talk for the rest of the movie. Yeah, they cut. You know he had he, lines. They just cut them off. You know he had lines, and they're like, "I'm sorry, man." Yeah, we give you your one. The audience is the uh, test audience is re- reacting hostile to you. <laughs> so Josie joins the uh, 
joins the denominators and helps them win a bunch of of their events uh which surely is going to be turned over when she reveals herself to be a full-grown woman but she doesn't care she doesn't care how many lives she ruins she's here loving her nerd life in high school She's developed a crush on Sam Coulson, her English teacher, who does that kind of like interactive teaching thing where he's like carrying a baseball bat or something or a hockey stick. And he's like, you know, has like a jacket over his shoulder and is like sitting on a chair backwards. Shit like that. Free next week? Yeah. So, um, so we catch some of the, uh, flashbacks from, to, from her high school, uh, experience she she was very big into poetry in high school she uh, was also really not self-aware um apparently she refused to wash her hair in high school and it got all kind of matted and she looked kind of nuts to be honest and that, like, that... um but really it would only have taken a couple of people being nice to her to kind of i think make that a much better experience um, she was nicknamed, nicknamed Josie Grossy. So. Josie uh, Grossy. She was, she read, uh, she, she, when she's hearing, uh, poetry read in class, she has a flashback to a time she read a pretty specific love poem for the handsome dude she had a crush on in her high school. Uh, who, I guess, pretty much, we don't see this happen, but I guess, like, jokingly asked her to prom and then when she came outside in her dress we see this part but she came outside to meet him and he egged her he like fucking chucked eggs at her and like one nails her right in the face fucking brutal it's a crime it's like a like legitimate crime like this person would be in jail as as many of the people in this movie would be um including josie yeah uh, <clears throat> so, where are we at? Where are we? Oh, remember when we met the brother? I wanted to take a oh, note yeah. of David the uh, place that he works at. Oh yeah, David Arquette is the is the younger brother. Yes, yes, he is twenty two. Um, and he dropped out of college because he got mono missed a game and lost his baseball scholarship and now is stuck working at something called the tiki post which is a uh tiki themed mail place tiki tiki post office um which doesn't is a choice. i mean sure i don't yet yeah, did he make it i don't know he's not um I have the note mentally ill question mark here and I think that speaks volumes. I think there are just like scenes where the actions of Josie lead me to believe that she's so, um, you know, mentally ill might not be, she, but she, maybe she's on the spectrum in some way um, because she's so socially inept to it's like of, of not being able to pick up on cues or interact with people like, and it's only really comes into play once she gets back in high school i think she's i think it's that nerd persona that they mention here is it's like an inability to interact correctly with people 
and correctly is maybe not the right term, but she just uh, she's know. just like a she's just like a she's a hermit. She hasn't had many social interactions, yeah. positive social Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, she talks kind of like a person who has locked themselves away for years at a yeah. time. Who has been asked to come to a party and also <laughs> needs to talk to everybody at the party. Um. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, she gets in a sombrero um, at some point. She, she's put into a Spanish class and... Uh, the sombrero makes a big fart noise when it lands on her head, and I thought that was pretty funny. And that's a pot saving Silverman for you? Mm, no, I think I'm still on one saving Silverman. Oof. Yeah, I I have two I have two more coming. Um <clears throat> So yeah, I was kind of iffy about the premise at this point, um, and then when, especially when she's so immediately like enamored by a teenager, it's a it's a lot of red flags already, and we're 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 not even halfway into this movie, you know? Yeah. So she immediately is hot for two boys. Um, I have a note that says insufferable nerd. Um, so she keeps trying to, she pitches a story to Gus. I don't even remember what it is because it's such a non story. And he basically is like, are you fucking kidding me? This is not what's going to save our, our asses here. You've put us on the line and the story needs to sell. And what sells? sex cells so gus is like gets too fucking he does uh so gus is pretty much encouraging her to uh, hook up with some high schoolers uh so as a fun prank the upperclassmen which doesn't make sense because she i think she's supposed to be a senior um have hidden her car uh on the football field uh where the band is Proudly practicing the theme song to The Simpsons. Um, that is funny. And, <laughs> yeah, and so... Gus, I think she wants to write a story about the mathletes. And Gus vetoes that as well. And is like... so Because I, I have a note here that just says, Gus wants her to do sex crimes so bad. Um, he, so there, she's cruising around with her new friend, Aldi's, and they see this place that is called the court, um, uh, yes. where guy and his gang hang out. It's like, it's, uh, it's an abandoned drive-in movie. Um, so I guess that's where like kind of people hook up and drink and all that cool stuff that teens do. And she decides <laughs> she decides not to write a story about it and is scooped by another paper Damn. which you know this planted oh. in my head dude this planted in my head this idea that there was surely a competing undercover reporter within the high school and i spent the majority of the movie trying to figure out who it was i was pretty sure it was going to be all these and then it wasn't 
I was then pretty sure it was going to be Guy, and then it wasn't. And then I'm like, okay, well, we're narrowing it down. It's got to be the teacher. It's got to be hunky, hunky teacher. And it wasn't. There is no other reporter in the, stu- in the school, but all of the story ideas are still being scooped. This reminds me of Run This Town. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Because <laughs> of all the newspaper all stuff? All the newspaper stuff and the... Um... Getting scooped. Getting scooped. So, and not figuring out um, who, who did the scooping. Right. So at this point, Gus is pissed that they got scooped on the court. Um, and he basically assigns a surveillance team to Josie. Uh, that is like, it's, she's got a pin now that has a camera in it. Is constantly streaming to a van, um, who is that is run by George. Uh, George is my second saving Silverman, uh, because George is a really good audience surrogate. Like he does little comment, like they'll cut back to him watching her story and doing commentary, and it's always like pretty good stuff there, George. But there's so many times where it seems like George probably should step in and be like, hey, don't do that. No, no, don't like, but it's then what makes him the perfect audience surrogate is that he doesn't have any actual way of communicating with her. He is literally just us watching this happen. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, he could probably stop some of the larger things that are wrong with this idea. But like in in the short term, like when he sees her go go to the bathroom and cry and stuff, he can't really you know fix that. Uh, so Josie decides tonight is the perfect night to go to a Latin nightclub. Is it like a Latin Rastafari? This is a Latin. Yeah, this is a Latin nightclub that apparently all of the cool high schoolers frequent to the point where they have, like, a table reserved for them. Uh, the three popular hotties are doing some kind of weird in-sync dance that I don't... It was strange and robotic, and I did not like looking at it. Um... So Josie continues to prove that she is incapable of human interaction uh, and sits uh, sits with the Rastas who uh, are all about loving everybody. And then she gets uh, she eats an edible, gets very high, and the Rastas get annoyed with her and they decide that they no longer love everybody and they do not love her. Uh, but but in her in her uh elevated state she does some pretty wild dancing that that she does she's like yeah um so yeah the introduction of drugs brings out kind of the fun side of Josie where she's uninhibited and she's still acting weird she's still weird but she's more fluid with it she's clearly having fun which is kind of a nice turn up um 
So now with George streaming streaming the her pin to the office, it kind of becomes like the the thing to do in the office is is check in on the, the hidden camera footage and everyone is kind of becoming obsessed with what she's up to. Uh, she's it's like a, a reality TV pretty much. Um, so. Josie confides in Rob, her brother, about her fears that she's not going to be able to get a story being stuck at her current popularity level. And Rob was very popular in high school. He was a athlete. He was a student athlete. He was, like, one of the most popular guys. Um, so, the big plan now is that Rob is also going to enroll in high school. Mm. So we now have two adults playing teenagers. Um, and Rob immediately becomes like the most popular kid at school. He knows what he did. Uh, and he, he knows how to do it. And he basically... Um... Yeah, he basically gets to relive his glory days. And I have written here, every loser's dream. Uh, so it's basically every like popular kid from high school that left high school and became a loser. It's every one of their dreams to just like, what if I just went back? What if I just go back? And so he does. He just goes back and pretends that he's in high school. Like it never even happened. Like I never left. Um... Uh, the problem is, it seems like a lot of girls are really into him, and that's a big no-no for me, because those girls are not of the we're, right age we're, for we're this, this character. We're explicitly We're explicitly told, we're explicitly made aware of all of the statutory uh, possibilities, um, including Teacher Coulson, who is... Getting very close to uh, Josie Geller, uh, we, revealing all kinds of fun information about his relationship and his dreams and what he thinks about Josie, and it's all wicked inappropriate. Um, it's just the kind of stuff that is not good. <laughs> Uh, there's, she, he clearly, like, is attracted to her. She, I mean, we know that she's into him. But, like, the fact, he thinks that she's, like, a minor. Yeah. It's inappropriate. It's not okay. Um, oh, he, he also was in the Latin nightclub scene. That's where we meet his girlfriend who works in New York and wants him to go to New York and doesn't like Latin nightclubs. <laughs> But he loves them. He loves going to the Latin nightclubs with teens. He's like, Josie, you're here? Yeah. So uh, I have a note here that just says, David Arquette's plan is unhinged because he basically walks up to people as the popular guy and is like, hey, you guys know Josie? She's cool. She gives sloppy BJs. And it's like... Stuff like that. She's like, oh yeah, she used to date the drummer of Blink-182. Shit like, like that. Blink-182's um, my favorite band, bro. 
So she is rising in popularity. She's getting in with the popular girls. They are taking her shopping. All that jazz. Oh, she has completely abandoned her nerd friends uh, who are taking it badly. Um, and then comes the day of sex talk in the high school. Uh, so uh Somali Shannon comes to visit comes to visit Josie and is mistaken mistooken for the guest speaker who's come to talk about sex. And uh, basically this is my third this scene is my third saving Silverman. Uh because it's really fun watching Molly and Shannon as Pam like give the sex talk. Mm. Uh because at first it, I'm like maybe this person has never had sex before. <laughs> And then uh, it kind of di- it kind of divulves into like the scene from Wet Hot American Summer where she's just like giving getting too personal with it, <laughs> and it's like yeah sometimes it's great it's a lot of fun and then they just never call you back and 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 you're alone for a long long time and you wonder if you could trust anybody, and I just think it's a very funny scene and they, um uh I also wrote that I love her so and that's true. Love is in the air, and it's because of Molly Shannon. Uh, and at this point, they they have been scooped on a second story. Um, and I am desperate to know who the other reporter is. I'm hungry. I gotta know. Who is it? Who is it? But I will remain hungry because <laughs> the mystery is afoot. So... They find out in the sex class that the rival high school is having the same prom theme as them. Can you friggin' believe it, Eric? Millennium the theme, theme of Millennium. Yeah. Uh, which I don't understand as a theme, but the replacement theme makes even less sense to me. Uh, so, because because she's popular now... Uh, they know, they turn to Josie, and they know she will have the answer. What can our new theme be, Josie? This will cement your place in the history books. And what is the new theme? It is, of course, uh, uh, meant for each other. Famous couples from history. Okay. (laughs) Famous couples from history. They love it. Guy loves it. Guy loves it so much that he asks her to prom. And she's hungry to go to prom with this teen boy. Um, so she does. She goes, she dresses up as, um, let me see here. Orlando, their their couple's costume is Orlando and Rosalind from Shakespeare's As You Like It. One of his less good ones, as I hear. Uh, but he, he doesn't know what he is. Uh, there's a couple other scenes of Sam and Josie growing closer. Um, this, this, uh, this summary suggests that Sam is struggling with his feelings because he thinks she's a student. And I don't see him struggling so much with that as, as, uh, weighing whether he can get away with it. Uh, da, da, da. So, <sighs> Gus and everyone at the office is kind of watching them go to prom, and Gus wants um, Gus wants the story to be about 
the teacher Sam and how he is clearly <clears throat> going to be putting a move on one yeah, of his like, students. He's, he's a he's bad guy. You got like go. this man is a sex criminal. Sex criminal. Like let's put a sex power. criminal in jail and keep our jobs. Yeah. She's like uh, I don't know, but I think he's kind of cute. <laughs> She's like, mm, I don't know. I feel bad for him. He maybe he's a sex criminal, but I kind of want to kiss him. Um. So she gets voted prom queen. Guys, prom king. Guy, they kind of do their one dance. Uh, it's clear. I think through the dance it becomes clear that she's not as into guy as she was go as she thought she was going to be um but there was already like so much weird shit going on like she's already pretty committed to crime uh but crime she goes and dances with her teacher which is inappropriate you cannot do that um and then gus uh, or sorry uh guy goes and dances with all these uh as they kind of want to as an act of friendship okay so this is a part this is a, like this is something i was thinking about very jfk like the mean girls are planning a prank on all these they're gonna dump all the all the uh dog food on her nice. um i think that they are planning on doing it because guy is dancing with her and they they are now so aligned with josie that they're they're going to be mean to the girl who is seeming to try and steal her man. But is it possible that Guy is also in on this? I'm not sure. It's not clear. We never get a reaction from him. Because Josie sees what the mean girls are going to do and she stops it. She slaps the the dog food out of their hands and they all get get um they all get covered in dog food very funny um so all of these adults are gross they're waiting on these teens to have sex with adults it sucks uh george i've i've come to realize has all the evidence can turn these people in um but doesn't so sorry george uh, you kind of lose some points there. Uh, Gus, yeah. So I have that Gus wants to make the story about the sex pervert, the teacher. And Gus is right. The story should be about him. And they should put him in jail. Uh, though the nerds all come to the prom dressed as DNA. It's so fucking cool. And they just like crash. Um, like, hey, we're crashing that. Very cool. They're very cool. Right. And so, basically, George comes to... F she, um... She pulls the camera off because she's going to tell Sam about what's up with that. And so, while she's going to do that, she exposes herself as being 25 years old and stopping the dog food prank. And she gives a speech that's stupid. It's just like, this, none of this matters. High school is stupid. All that. And so then she goes outside to try and like 
patch things up with Sam, who as soon who dips as soon as he like hears that she's twenty five, yeah. he like dips out of the scene. Is like, like nope. <laughs> and so she gets stopped before she can uh, go talk to him by George, who's like, "Hey, we lost the feed. Did you get anything on your pedophile teacher?" And then he overhears that and, and is like, "Hey, so you're writing a story about me." And she's like, no, I don't want it to be about you. But, I mean, there's clearly a story here, right? And uh, <laughs> he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Bye. And so she sets up the the last leg of this movie in the fucking craziest possible way. She writes an article basically describing her high school experience and everything that she has done up to now. And and then in it is like, I also hurt the feelings of a very important teacher. I hope he knows who he is. And also, I'm in love with you, Guy. Uh, if Oh, sorry, not Guy. Uh, Sam. Same. No, she doesn't say his name. But she's like, you know who you are. And if, if you, I'm going to be, I'm going to be here at the baseball game. Uh, oh, also, <laughs> I forgot. The brother also, um gets outed as not being a high schooler right before his underage girlfriend wants to fuck him. So, uh, he's pretty mad about that. Um, also, he was back on the baseball team and doing well in, in something that surely would have been disqualified. Uh, but she says in her article that she will be on the pitcher's mound for the five minutes before the final baseball game. And she hopes she gets her first kiss from this, this man. <laughs> and so it's like a big saga. Everyone's in. They're buying papers. Even. <laughs> Even Gary Marshall's interested in to see how the fucking story comes out. Uh, so there she is on the baseball field. She's. She called, she cashed in all of her favors. She got the the game to be televised and and in exchange the the coach gave her brother a coaching job. So it worked out for that statutory rapist. And um so time oh the um Sam is packing up his house, apparently getting ready to blow town. <laughs> So basically, the premise of the final of the final act is she is asking this man to out himself to his entire professional community as somebody who was interested in fucking his students. And because it's okay now because she's not a student, but no matter what, this guy's career would be over. No like doubt. you can't keep being a teacher. No way. If he shows up, he's done. But he does show up, and he is done. Uh, so he shows up, and they kiss. Um, and they're in love, and he doesn't have a job anymore, I assume. But it's okay. She has a great job, I'm assuming. I don't know. Uh, it just kind of ends there. Um I wanted to also mark that this is quite possibly the least remakeable movie I've ever seen. 
uh, none of this shit would fly today. Absolutely zero percent. Um, uh, all of these adults are sex criminals that belong in jail. Um, everyone that works at the newspaper, the newspaper should be shut down for even setting up this as a possible premise. The ethics are abominable. Um, but Molly Shannon and uh, and of course John C. Riley. Everyone starts kissing when they kiss, and and John C. Riley kisses Molly Shannon, and they should get a movie, and I would love to watch them. Um, and that's it. That's all I got. I think we never find out who the other reporter is, no. even though they never admit that there is another reporter. But it's pretty clear to me that there's another reporter. Quite obviously. Um, the nerd doesn't get with Guy because we don't. We never really figure out what his deal is. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Ugh, it is what it is. Whole, my high point, I guess, would be. Fuck, I I don't know. I really this this movie was tough. It's, it was a really I mean, hard to watch. <laughs> There's a lot of like. It's treated moments. with such levity, but like it is like these are crimes. Yeah. These are crimes yeah. of. Of 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 a very punishable nature. I guess I I I don't I just don't know. I I don't know. Mm. I guess the ending was really good. Like the kiss. Yeah. Right. Sure. I guess. It's really close to the credits. It was really. You cannot <laughs> pick the credits every week, Eric. Sorry. This one was just so bad. This one was just so bad. Pick one thing. <laughs> it's a fucking two-hour movie. With Molly Shannon putting a condom on a banana. A condom. Now that's comedy. A condom. Um, did you uh, know that the director of this is the same guy who did both scooby-doo movies really yeah dude well he made it i mean i gotta give him credit scooby-doo one and two are fine kids movies yeah i think they're fine mm. I, I have fun with yeah. them uh this is also kind of loosely based on something that uh cameron crow actually did the director cameron crow he did this to kind of write his screenplay for Days and or not Days and Confused, uh, Fast Time at Ridgemont High. Wow, really? Uh, when he was twenty-one, he went back to his high school, uh, and just hung out there. So, very cool guy, Cameron Crow. Very cool. <laughs> He's a cool man. He's a cool man. Oh, we love that Cameron Crow. Um. So the the month of love marches on. Mm. Mm. What was your low point? Low point, I would say, was David Arquette going to prom in the risky business costume. Oh yeah, in his undies. In his undies with a sixteen-year-old girl. Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Uh, I'm looking through my notes to see if there's anything else that I wanted to say. Oh, I have a real Rob note. Oh, showed it. Okay, so I think you're going to enjoy this little bit of trivia. Uh, 
Rob Schneider repeatedly said, you can do it Mm -hmm. to cast and crew, which would be immediately followed by an elbow bump and a question to reassure that they remembered what he was referencing. (laughs) So it sounds like a real cool environment to make you show. (laughs) (laughs) He's a cool guy. (laughs) You can do it. You get, you remember that, right? No, tell me, tell me what you remember it from. Anything. Have you seen my movies? Have you seen my movies? Anything and everything. <laughs> All right. So it's time once again to spin the wheel. The wheel of love is spinning. The wheel of love is spinning. And the wheel of love is going to give you a movie called Home Fries. Home I don't remember what this is. I think it might be another Drew Barrymore. I swear to Home Fries? Yeah. Home Fries. 1998. Drew Barrymore looks like Luke Wilson. Oh, cool. Well. Jake, we got a Jake Busey's in it. So you know I might not make oh. it for this. Jake Busey's in it. <laughs> hey, a Busey's in the bag, baby. Yeah. All right, why don't you spin your punishment well, wheel? Punishment would be... Roller coaster of love. Last man standing. Oh, are you, yeah. I hope you get through home fries. Me too. It's gonna be hard to find an episode about the romance from between the last man standing. There's seven seasons, he, so we'll you, find one. Do you think he kisses Tim the Toolman Taylor when he shows up? <laughs> He just, he just. Now that would be a feat. I'd be impressed with that. I'd be impressed. I would be impressed. All right, I'm gonna spin my wheel now. It's my turn to have a movie. I will be watching the film This Means War with Tom Hardy, Chris Pine, and Reese Witherspoon. Oh, is this the one where they're? They're competing for Reese Witherspoon. Right. They are both spies that are competing for the love of Reese Witherspoon. I have not seen this because, uh, as I mentioned at the top, it's not really my brand. But I will be watching it this week, and I like a lot of these people, so I think I'll get through. But in case I don't, what is my punishment to be? Ooh, Impractical Jokers. (laughs) <laughs> the, the romance episode of Impractical Jokers? We'll find one. Alright. I'm sure they have a Valentine's Day special. They also have, like, an a insane amount of episodes. More than we would, I think, we, we give them credit for. I think, I'm gonna say 10 seasons, um, and 400 episodes. Jesus Christ. That's a lot. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> let me look, let me look. It started in 2011. Okay. There's so yeah, ten seasons. Yeah. Ten seasons and a movie. They have a movie. They do have a movie. How many episodes? It's not telling me. It just tells me that has. Oh, there's ten seasons. They haven't filmed the tenth season yet. And the ninth season looks like there's only three episodes. So we could get in. Yeah, we could. We could get in, guys. Uh, there's 241 episodes. Oh, my God. So that's a little off. 
That's still like a lot. That's quite a lot. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, and uh, y'all keep loving out there. Keep living. Keep loving. Keep laughing. And uh, y'all come back now. You hear? I love to laugh, and I love to love. Yep. Bye.